We're talking today with mental performance consultant and coach Lindsay Roberts on teamwork, leadership, and the importance of building connection. My name is Jake Thompson, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and this is the Compete Everyday Podcast, a show designed to encourage and equip you with the tools to build a winning mindset so you can build your winning life. Text PODCAST to 972-945-9113 to join our Morning Motivation Club and visit CompeteEveryday.com for past podcast episodes and to learn more about our resources and gear for ambitious people who are ready to start winning. Welcome to the show. Competitor Nation, welcome back to the Compete Everyday Podcast. As always, Jake Thompson here, your Chief Encouragement Officer, and we are kicking off a brand new year. Man, first guest episode of the new year, and I'm so stoked about it. I'm so thankful for Lindsay to be able to make time to join the show after her and I connected two months ago at the Elite by Choice Mental Performance event. Lindsay's got a really cool background, having worked in mental performance with the U.S. Army, Special Forces, and now a ton of work in the corporate space, helping leaders figure out what they need and then helping them better connect with and lead their team. There's a lot of great insight into today's show, and so I know you're going to have something you're going to be able to run with, as well as a few, few action tools that Lindsay uses and implements with her teams, her clients, and even in her home. So stay tuned and learn how you can learn more about that and get connected with Lindsay. Before I dive into the show, I want to remind you, if you have not seen yet, you've probably, probably been wondering why we have a lot of new episodes coming out of the gate. And that's because in 2022, we are doing 365 episodes this year. That's right. We have a brand new podcast episode every single day. This first week of January, every single person will have access to the seven new episodes. But the bad news, starting next week, starting January 10th, you will only have access to the Monday episode solo show to start the week and the Wednesday guest interview. The other five episodes are being produced, but they are only available for members of our new competitor nation. That's right. We are launching a brand new insider access program that will give you every single morning text messages to start your day because just like the podcast, they are switching to twice a week for non-members. You will get a text every morning. You will get a podcast every morning. You will get monthly coaching hours with me. You will get some more behind-the-scenes content, and you will get a really cool new platform to connect with other competitors, to learn from other competitors, to hold each other accountable off of Facebook. We are moving our group away from Facebook to a platform and an app all on its own so you don't have to get caught in the spam of social media and you can instead just get connected with the people you want to connect with, you want to learn from, you want to encourage, and you want to be held accountable by. So to learn more, to get signed up, it is all for an incredibly low cost and low investment, more importantly, in yourself. We are offering all of this stuff as part of the new Competitor Nation program. So to find out more, get connected, get dialed in, and not miss any of the brand new podcast episodes, coaching hours, daily morning podcast, and more, head on over to CompetitorNation.com to learn more and most importantly, to get signed up today. 
Invest in yourself so you start investing in making 2022 your year of growth, your year of success, and the year you show up and compete every single day. So I will see you in the new community and head on over to competitornation.com to get started. Now, let's welcome into the show my new friend, Lindsey Roberts. Lindsay, what's happening today? Hey, what is up, Jake and Competitor Nation? Ah, uh, I love it. I love it. So, listeners, uh, Lindsay and I connected uh, a couple of months ago at Lauren Nicole Johnson's uh, Elite by Choice event. Uh, Lindsay was one of the speakers there, facilitators, as well as uh, just an overall rock star part of the audience um, as well. And as we were talking on the weekend, I was like, I need to get you on the show. I want to have a conversation around leadership, around investing in people and a lot of the work you do, especially from the fact that I'm really fascinated by your career as well with sports psychology, military, working with corporate teams and, and obviously working with businesses of all sizes. So before we kind of talk current shop, give everyone kind of your unique path to today. Yeah, sure. And Jake, thanks so much for having me on here. It is great to see you and talk to you. It's been a minute. Um, so yeah, my journey. So I, like many out there, started in high school. I was a tennis player and I was a swimmer. And when I played tennis, I was a hot mess of a head case. Tennis matches could last 30 minutes. They could last three hours and it was mentally exhausting. You think of like John McEnroe? Yeah. Oh yeah. You want to talk? Oh, okay. I was the one who said, what? dirty faces can I make to my opponent across the net and how can I intimidate you most that was like my going in position with tennis right and so I was a pretty good tennis player made it to state in high school um, but my whole family played tennis and so I decided like I want to do something a little bit different try out a new thing so I actually had a couple of my girlfriends who made a bet to see who could go out for high school swimming and last the longest and I hated swimming as a kid but I said you know what I'm going to take them up on this bet and I'm the only one who made it through the season but in swimming so I was this hot mess of a head case in tennis and in swimming I got in the water I was a sprinter I did the 50 yard free so I jump in sprint for less than 30 seconds jump out like ready to go and I was like why why is it so easy in, in swimming, but it's so hard in tennis. And so then my sister actually played college tennis and she met a sports psychologist. And I said, oh, you know, maybe if I did that, I could figure out what's going on in here and help other people do the same thing. Right. So that, that started my journey. So I've was, got to ask, so I've got to ask on that note, because my initial thought is the amount of waiting time in tennis versus swimming, yeah. you're constantly moving. Yeah. What did you discover on that? Um, so I figured out that in tennis, I was way too worried about the other person and not focused enough on what I was doing, right? We talk so often about focus on the things that you can control. I would worry. So there was legitimately somebody that I played tennis against on a regular basis and I called her crazy hair girl. I mean, look at mine today, but um, so I called her crazy hair girl because I was so distracted by how she did her hair that I didn't even matter how I was gonna play tennis. Somehow I still did pretty well, but I found anything and everything outside of me to distract me. Whereas in swimming, you dive in, you're looking at the bottom of the pool there is nothing else to distract you out there yeah, yeah. oh man i love that okay so cool very cool story and for our listeners that probably have some of those same stories going on in their head of like oh 
that makes sense why I was a little more focused and better in this area than this other one. Yeah. So you met, uh, you met this sports psychologist and started trying to discover this field that a lot of people have no idea exist. Yeah. Yeah. So it was very, very young. So I went to college, did my thing. I went to graduate school, studied sport and performance psychology. So I went out to the university of Denver. And while I was there, I just, I knew that I liked this, but I loved it so much more. Right. So in the university of Denver, I got to work with skiers, snowboarders. I worked with dancers. I worked with soccer players. I worked with all kinds of different groups and the whole goal is to say, what is it I can do to help you and your team do better? How can I help you to eliminate some of those distractions? How can I help you know your team just be more successful? And it was just such a fun experience, but get to the end of graduate school. And I was like, well, what do I want to do with my life? I'm done with school. I don't want to go on for more, but it's always an option, right? And there was this program that had recently started up with the army doing sports psychology with soldiers. And I said, you know, I don't know much about the army, but I know something about sports psychology. So let's try this thing out. So I did that for several years and got to travel all over the world, um, working with soldiers on, you know, enhancing their resilience. I worked with wounded, ill and injured soldiers, helping them transition out of the army, which was, I will say that is probably the population I have learned the most from of just how can I find the thing that I need to keep going? right just like such a and i want to i want to say something about that because we've had a few guys uh john martin being one who works with fit ops a lot of people don't understand that transition and how Mm -hmm. difficult we hear the ptsd in terms of people that have served but we don't really understand the transition out and so i want to encourage listeners to to look into that i want you to listen to a past episode with john because similar to probably what our listeners have gone with as an athlete when yeah. sport finishes and our identity is so tied up in sport and we're used to having the schedule and what are we training for and what are we working for? Yeah. And that's gone. You feel loss and ah. you grieve and you go through that. And soldiers have the same thing because they're going from a disciplined structure program, having direction, knowing what their purpose is to here's the world, go figure it out. Yeah. And that's as tough as it is on them as it is for athletes. And so for those listening that can relate to that, because I can relate to that, um, it's a really big deal um, for a lot of folks. And so I want to encourage you to check out that past episode with John as well. And actually, I want to connect you with John at some point too. Yeah, no, love to. And, and I agree, this whole idea of transition, right? There's so many points in life that we experience transitions. And I got to share this one story of just this yeah. amazing human being that I worked with. So I had a 19-year-old soldier who was a triple amputee, right? So had an ID, um, lost all except for his left arm. And he was 19 years old. And when I first started working with him, like you talk about identity, he had a legacy of family members that had served in the army. And that's like, this is what I'm going to do with my life. This is where I'm going to be. This is what I'm going to do. And, you know, he was injured so badly. He like, wasn't going to be able to be in anymore, but he was the most optimistic person I have ever met in my entire life. So we were working together. um, We were able to get a house built for him that met all of his needs. He went to college, he graduated, and now he's, he's out in the working world and he is just killing it. And it's so like, those kinds of stories are just the things that I think about, like any day that I'm struggling and asking myself, like, why am I not doing so hot today? I always just remember I have so much to be grateful for. And there's so many people that have to work so much harder than I do on a day-to-day basis. It's amazing. So I, so I want to ask you about that. I'm going to pull at this thread because now I'm just personally curious. 
super optimistic individual, obviously identity, very tied up military. How did, how was that balance? Because I would think like, it would be a lot of lows, like optimism. I would not even see showing up in the picture for a little bit. Mm -hmm. If you, if you're losing your limbs and everything that you thought you would be doing the rest of your life is physically like that opportunity has gone. How did he balance that with the, the relentless optimism that he's going to continue to go and be alive and do things with, I've lost who I am. Yeah. So it's a great question. So a big part of it was just that first piece of like accepting, right? So accepting that things have changed, accepting that even though he was no longer going to be active duty military and he wasn't going to, you know, put in his 20 plus years, but he accepted the fact that like he did what was asked of him and he made that happen. Right. And so coming to terms with that piece first, then helps him figure out what can I do moving forward. And so he's become, um, he just does some amazing things. He's worked with the Wounded Warrior Project. He's been a great spokesperson. He's participated um, in just various sporting events. I mean, so he just, he figured out that like, yes, this is a part of who I was, but I accomplished what I set out to do. And now I get to accomplish other things. I love it. Well, and I love how you position that for those listening. That first piece is accepting. This has happened. I can't change it. There's nothing I can wish, hope, do to rewrite the past. Yeah. What am I going to do still moving forward with what's in my control? Yeah. That control piece is huge, right? Another another example, just kind of along the same line. So there's another soldier I work with who um, lost one of his legs and his purpose, right? So he was no longer going to be serving the military. He was working to transition out, but his purpose became he had a daughter and his, his one goal was to walk at least at the same time as his young daughter. And you want to talk about like pouring yourself into what you're doing like oh my gosh it was so cool and so I got this video of him and his daughter walking side by side and it, you talk about goosebumps like it's just I feel like all of those just all the experiences you know working with the wounded and injured soldiers working on soldiers with resilience working in the special forces and just seeing the amazing things that we as individuals can accomplish but also as a team and collective and seeing that support it's like it's, it's just such a cool thing. And I feel like that's what gives me the energy to do what I do every single day. Yeah, I know. And the human spirit is so much more powerful than we give ourselves credit for. And the team aspect, especially like, that's why I'm always harping for lack of a better phrase on the listeners and our audience about like, be intentional with who you surround yourself with. Because those people are going to sharpen you and challenge you and, and make you better by elevating the standards of what we allow. And, and you think of military perspective, like they, there are standards. You have to meet the standard to even start. And so uh, it's so intentional in our personal lives. And, and we just kind of forget it when we're outside of sports, when we're outside of certain settings. We don't really think about the, the power of team. And so highly, highly want to encourage people as we're kind of starting a new year with that. Obviously, you're, you've transitioned again and, and are still working with teams in a variety of different settings. But once you left working with the military, what were those next few chapters like for you? Yeah, absolutely. So once I left the military, which loved that job, if I didn't have to travel as much as I was, I probably would have stuck around there much longer. Um, but having young family, oh, I gotta ask, I gotta ask, sorry. Yeah, I've got to ask because I love I love this exercise that you and your husband did that you shared. Yeah. around that travel. And so I'm yeah. curious if you could share that because I think it would be incredibly beneficial for our listeners in relationship. If they've never done something like this, 
how impactful it can be for the health and growth of your relationships in your family. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to share. So uh, my husband and I, I was working for the army. We had gotten married and that's a whole nother story. He said he waited eight years just to make sure that I was the right one. Right. So apparently it's stuck. So we're good. And we're still together, still, you know, happily married, two small, wonderful kids. Um, but So we, after the first year, so we do this exercise almost every year on our anniversary. So after the first year we sat down and we started talking, you know, like where are we at right now versus where we want to be. And we started doing the math on how much time did I spend away from home versus being at home. And so we got married a week after we got married, we had done our honeymoon and then I was off to Pennsylvania and followed that up with going to Korea. And I ended up being gone for a month and that just like set the tone for the rest of the year. So I was gone significantly more our first year of marriage than I was home. And in that conversation, him and I just decided, you know, I had this job, right? This thing that I love doing. I worked with a great group of people, like so many cool experiences and opportunities and just such great work. Um, but at the end of the day for our family, it wasn't ultimately where we wanted to be. And so that was really the catalyst for taking on something new and trying out something different. So that, that sent me into the corporate world, um, which I wasn't sure how that was going to go, frankly. You know, like I'm used to working with the military. I'd go out, you know, to exercise at one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, be there at 530 in the morning. And now I'm going into this corporate setting. Um, and but I will say it so many of the things that you that I know from sport and performance psychology to working with the military to working with corporate, like people at the end of the day are people and there are so many just foundational principles that we can apply across the board regardless of your context to just help you do things the best that you possibly can yeah and and you've had the opportunity to work with a lot of different teams and companies like you talked about special forces but now in the corporate setting you've had a chance to work with a number of different teams and organizations around that what i'm fascinated by or really more curious about is you do, I would say organizational leadership would kind of be a good fit for what a lot of the work you do. What would you say has made you kind of hone in on that? Would it be people? Would it be because so many people hate their job? Would it be what kind of inspires you to kind of dial in this path? Because you could have easily pivoted away from corporate and gone sports or another direction, but it seems like you're having not only incredible traction, but incredible impact with these groups in this space. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So the number one thing that fascinates me about working with teams, working in organizations, and really regardless of where you're at, um, is that I love helping leaders identify what they need. And what I mean by that is so often we have folks that are put into leadership positions, never had the experience before, and they try out a lot of things. And so I'm sure that people listening have probably been through this. I know I personally have gone through this journey, um, but there are some common traps that, that leaders kind of fall into initially, right? Like I want to be everybody's best friend, or I have to um, just be really hard on people so that they know that I'm the authority. And maybe they overcompensate by like proving that they can do this job versus being the leader, right? They try to use competence to build confidence, but that doesn't always work. And so really helping leaders identify what they need in order to build these strong teams is just what drives me the most right now. Yeah. And I would imagine you probably see a lot of it because you mentioned, and, and I know people and you know, people they're put into a leadership position because somebody above them left, yeah. there was a change and they've just been there the longest. So we, we yeah. put them into this role without equipping them with the skills for it. And one of the things we 
never talked about growing up that I'm fascinated by is the importance of the connection piece. Yes. And it's not being their best friend, but it's about connecting with them on a human level in order to better lead and serve them. And so talk to me a little bit with, with corporations. A lot of times we think of red tape and I'm the boss, do as I say, but what you see and a lot of what you teach is build the connection and not do as I say, but do as I do build that vulnerability. And so talk to me about how you start to establish that with people that have, honestly, it's like reading Greek for a lot of them. They've never heard it. They've never seen it. This is a whole new way to do it for them. Yeah, no. And Jake, I think you make such a great point in this whole idea of we tend to promote technical experts or the people who have been there the longest. And so in conversations that I have with folks, one of the things that I love to talk about is the world is already complex enough, right? If you've heard the term VUCA, right? It's volatile, complex, uncertain, ambiguous. Like the world is complex enough. Leadership does not have to be that complex. Leadership is, there's a lot of language that's changing from this idea of being the boss to being a coach which is exactly what you're referring to. So this idea of being the boss, I think about that as being like the taskmaster of like, here's the list of things that I need you to go ahead and get done, just get them done and then we'll be good. Whereas this idea of a coach is how can I mentor, develop, work with, ask good questions of people. And through doing that, we're going to get the work done and we're going to do it even better. And so one of the conversations that I have with any leader that I work with is I will always ask them, what is it that you want for your team? Right. And so if people say, well, I want to get the job done. Well, then we have one type of conversation that we're going to have, which yep. is great. Right. We need we need to get the work done. There is absolutely that importance of getting the job done. The question then becomes, how is it that we're getting the work done? What is it that we need to do? And um, a mentor of mine once shared this phrase that is nothing gets done except with, by, through and for people. And for me, what that translates to is the bottom line is that relationships matter. That if we get to know our people, if we can establish that strong sense of trust, we can establish that camaraderie. If people actually want to come to work and do the job, then everything else, the work will be easy. It won't feel like work at that point. And so the relationship piece is really what we hone in on a lot. So I want to ask you a question in a two-parter. First, do you watch Ted Lasso? I, okay. So I've been asked this question like five times lately. I have not, but I need to, it's it is be, on a, maybe we're, maybe it's gotta we're be on your list. Break. I'll, you know, take some time to find something to do and watch Ted Lasso, but yeah. So that, that changes my second question. Cause I okay. don't want to give you a spoiler alert alert or yeah. anyone listening. Okay. So I'm going to change this. So a lot of times what we can see in leadership is a concern of or a worry for not getting the recognition as the leader or the individual contributing a specific piece. And I use that as a backdrop because lasso, for lack of a better phrase, is this ideal type leader of building empathy, asking questions, investing in people, and wanting to see the people do their best, mm -hmm. hit the goals along the way. But it's about building the people because the better we build our people, the better chances we have to succeed. It's not about who gets the credit. How do we shift, especially in corporations where a lot of times, like who gets the credit gets the opportunity for promotion. And mm -hmm. if somebody on your team is, is balling out for lack of a better phrase, do they replace you as managers? We have the scarcity mindset that starts to creep in. How do we build our teams? But more importantly, how do we build ourselves and our leaders so that there's less of a fear about who gets the credit and more of a focus on making sure we're getting the job done? 
Yeah, man, that is a big... See that because military is not really that way, right? Military is like, how do we just work together and get the job done? Where it's like over here, it's like, who really is getting credit for it? Yeah, well, and I think I think one of the big differences too with the military is that oftentimes the people that you're with, you have to trust that they've got your back. Like you have you have no option if you are deployed with a group of people, then you have to trust that they've got your six. Um, yeah. But as it relates to working in the corporate world, I think it is that scarcity mindset is such a great way to put it because we're often concerned about who's going to get the next opportunity. What is it that somebody's going to get over me? And how is it that I make myself, you know, <laughs> worthwhile and show yeah. that with an organization? And that is, it's a real feeling, right? And it's, it's important to recognize that. Um, I tend to be a firm believer that hard work pays off. Right. And so I believe that, and I'm sure many of us have heard that old adage that the hard work pays off. But as we work together, as we work well with the team, as we really focus on that idea of like what's good for one of us is good for all of us, it's a big shift in our mindset. But then that's going to help to elevate the team as a whole. Uh, but it takes work. And the other thing that I think is important too is just to have honest conversations with folks. That if we're feeling kind of the scarcity mindset, those honest conversations are so important. Um, and at the end of the day, it's amazing how well you can do if you don't care who gets the credit. Yeah. And, and the conversations help ease the concerns, which allow you to focus on doing the work and not worrying about the credit, because otherwise we play these games in our heads and we start making assumptions and we start telling ourselves these stories internally. And we do it in a team setting. We do it in a relationship setting where so-and-so didn't text us back. And so we start playing all of these games in our head about why they're mad at us, why they didn't text us back. We're thinking about what we did. Yeah. Meanwhile, their phone is sitting in their car and they're out on a, like a five mile run. Like it has nothing to do with us. And so we do the same in that corporate setting. So I really love how you said, like having a conversation, voicing where those concerns are, because a lot of times that other party can help ease those concerns and at the same time, pull you in to make you feel safer, which is ultimately what we have to do as leaders, make people feel safe so they can thrive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let me... Let me ask you a question about some of the work you're doing now, because you've worked with military, you special forces, you've worked with very big organizations. What are the types of clients now you're spending more time with or looking to spend more time with on helping develop their leaders and their teams? Yeah, it's a great question. So I've been doing a lot of work with, well, I've been doing some work with some smaller businesses just in my local community, because I feel like regardless of the size of your organization, everybody can has an opportunity to learn. Um, so I've been doing some work with them. I've also been doing um, some various team building sessions and coaching and consulting with larger organizations, especially I found that as the world of leadership development is really changing and we're not requiring, you know, technology is amazing. One, one great thing about the pandemic is people are so much more comfortable using technology. And so yep. I've been, working with, I know exactly just like this. Um, so I've been working with organizations who are trying to avoid evolve with learning, development, leadership development, and helping them identify ways to do that effectively um, and how to capitalize on some of that technology and make the virtual experience worthwhile. Um, so I've been doing some of that. And I've also been doing um, some keynote presentations with some local colleges that we have in the area. So kind of a Love. number of different places, but really at the end of the day, the goal is to help leaders get what they need, but first we've got to figure out exactly what that is. Yeah, absolutely. I, before we kind of wrap up, I want to pull the thread of one of the things that I know you focus on that you just mentioned with kind of these remote teams and everybody all over and we're using Zoom. There, 
there's a connection piece, but there's also a lack of connection on Zoom versus being able to fist bump, high five somebody. How, what is one way that you've seen or are teaching leaders to help keep people stay connected when we're Zoomed out a lot of times and the last thing we want to do is have a happy hour on Zoom, like we'd rather sit down and have a face-to-face conversation, but we still have to build that connection. And as we're remote, how do we keep people connected without technologically burning out? Yeah, that is such a hard balance to achieve. I will say um, one of the evolutions that I've seen within organizations is that initially, like at the beginning of the pandemic, there was so much of a focus on let's get together and chat. And now it has transitioned into, I don't want to get together and chat because I'm on Zoom meetings with you all day, every day. Let's just get on and get the work done. And by the way, a five minute conversation has to be a 30 minute Zoom or Teams or whatever kind of session, right? Yeah. So, so one of the things that I've been talking a lot with leaders about is when you have one-on-ones with employees, it's really important to have cameras on. That's not something that everybody feels comfortable doing, but it's important for a lot of reasons, especially as teams are working in a hybrid setting or even fully remote. It's important to put eyes on people and just make sure that folks are doing okay, right? So that's one. Um, two, it's always good to just have a quick personal conversation. It doesn't have to be you know, an hour or two hours long, but just a quick check-in. How is it going? How are you? Um, and you can do those at the individual or the team level. But then the other thing that I encourage people to do is that if you have something that only takes five minutes to talk about, just click the call button on your computer versus setting up that 30 minute meeting. Because if we have a 30 minute meeting, we're going to feel like we have to take the whole 30 minutes. Um, So really like use that call feature. It's a great thing to do. Death by meeting. Yes. Oh, it's amazing. It's already happening. It was all offline. Now it's online and you're having the same thing. So uh, can't encourage the leaders listening to this enough to to take some of this stuff into advice. And even just, I mean, the FaceTime feature on your phone, so incredibly important because I know for me personally, I've got a camera lens right here that I'm looking at, but you're kind of over here just from a recording standpoint. And so I can't always, I like look down and see your face and things like that. And when you and I are giving presentations with people, we're looking at the camera so that the viewer feels like we're looking at them, but we're not getting that connection. And so sometimes it's important just to pick up the phone, just to do a FaceTime to where you're looking right at the person's face at the same time or moving. I know I've put my camera right in front of my screen before so I can see through it and see the people. But sometimes when we're distant physically and we're remote and doing technology, it's helpful to reconfigure your your webcam or something so you can see someone's eyes, which will help you at least with a little bit of that connection. Yeah, no, that's a great point, Jake. Great point. So Lindsay, where can people find out? I, I know a lot of people that listen to the show or clients that I've worked with, organizations I've worked with. I know what you do is incredibly complimentary to some of the work I do. And so would love for anyone listening that's interested to find out more about you and where they can best connect with you on social and then your website. Yeah, absolutely. So I do not have a website up and running yet. It's in progress. Uh, but you can find me on LinkedIn, Lindsay Roberts. Um, I'm also on uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram Lin- at Linz, L-I-N-Z-M Roberts, R-O-B-E-R-T-S. So yeah, feel free to connect. We will be linking to all of that in the show notes, as well as if you are interested in learning more about her programs, workshops, any of that kind of stuff, highly, highly recommend it. Uh, obviously I wanted to have Lindsay on the show after jamming out with her at Lauren's event a couple of months ago and just 
sitting in one of her sessions as an audience member. They're super engaging. It helps you think, and there's some great dialogue. So if your team's looking for a little interactive program, um, I think she would be a great fit regardless of your business size. So Lindsay, I just want to thank you again for investing the time to come on the show this week and loved getting a new perspective on some of your story, as well as being able to jam some on, on leadership and teams. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much, Jake. It's always good to see you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Compete Everyday Podcast. To get in touch with the team, drop us an email to podcast at competeeveryday.com. And to find out more about our resources, content, and gear that will help you build that winning mindset so you better compete for your best life, visit competeeveryday.com.